so he can grow us up. Yeah. Um, all right, well, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Um, can I mention yeah. something? Yeah. Um, I was led to a movie, a new movie that just came out, um, not necessarily on the screen. I haven't seen it on the screen, but it's on DVD mm-hmm. called An Interview with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got it at Lifeway Christian Bookstore. They're getting ready to close their stores, and they still have quite a few copies of that. Um, it's, it was really informative and really quite good. So, Interview with God. An Interview with God. Okay. Yes. And Gina saw Unplanned, Miranda's recommendation, the Porters, and they said mm-hmm. it was good but bad. Does that make sense? They really loved it, but it was sort of hard to see. Yeah, very yeah. hard to see. Yeah. What's that? Unplanned. Unplanned yeah. And that new one with uh, the girl from This Is Us, um, about the little, her little Breakthrough. boy, her son. It's called Breakthrough. Breakthrough. And that's based on a true story. Okay. It was advertised. Oh, okay. So anyway, lots of stuff coming out that can encourage us definitely through trials and tribulations. We got word from the Birches that all is all is well. I mean, like spiritually, they're growing and seeing growth in areas that I know that we've prayed about for many years as a small group and. And, um, a prayer request for them could be that they're in the church and they're very happy in their church. So that's such a praise. I know that was a concern going there. But um, they're looking for, they have two pastors who are a little overwhelmed. They're looking for a third. And the well, the senior pastors will be retiring in the near future. Um, but there's a little bit of division in the church. But the majority lines up with the pastors, but there's a vocal minority. So, you know, just keep Christy and her church, her new church, you know, in your prayers when you think about that. So perseverance is going to be part of what we need to do, and eventually, many times, we'll see the fruits of that perseverance in this life. Um, Sometimes we won't, and we know that from Scripture. So as you know, we're going through why we don't seek God, and we don't seek Him, one, if we're not really saved, we're not going to seek Him. We went through too busy, we talked about Mary and Martha from Luke 10. And then we've recently got in the scripture we've been looking at is Hebrews 12, you know, the weights that can keep us from seeking God and the sin. Remember we talked about sin. It can entangle us and really just trip us up and throw us off. But also the conviction that comes from sin may keep us from going to God and the guilt that comes from sin may keep us from going to God. But we know we need to go to God. So keeping with that scripture... um, in Hebrews 12, we're going to go a little bit further on. Hebrews 12, 1 through 12. And we're going to look at one of the reasons, another reason why we don't seek God is we just give up. We lose heart. We give up. We don't persevere. All right, so I'll, I don't know if somebody wants to read this scripture. It's fairly long. Hebrews 12, 1 through 12. Anybody like reading the scripture? Lori, yeah, go ahead. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such
much hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. 1, 2, 3, 12? Yeah, 12, yeah. Okay. Um, very good. Oh, I meant 13 too. Sorry, my okay. eyes must be getting and bad. And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Okay, thank you. I'm just going to open this up here in a quick prayer. Um, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement of scripture. We thank you for the example of your son, Jesus. Father, we ask that this would be more than words on a page that this would be etched in our heart and our mind and lived out for your glory. Lord, for our peace, our holiness, but ultimately, Lord, that your name would be proved true, faithful, and worthy of all praise and glory. Help us, Lord, to understand these scriptures and again apply them to our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, remember, we talked about um, let us run the race. We're saying, what is the race we're running? It's the big picture of our life. What is the race we're running? Remember, we talked about that. What race are we on? Philippians 3, 10 through 14. What does Paul say? To know him and become like him. To know him and become like him. We have to understand that the purpose of our life is not more money and pleasure and a better job. The purpose of our life is to get to know Him and become like Him. All right? Now, He'll use our job and the situations in this life as tools to make us more like Him and to know Him. But the purpose, the race we're on, is to become like Him and know Him. Who's marked out our course? Who's marked out Miranda's course? Sorry, I'm finding out where my daughter is. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's marked out where your daughter is. No, no, no. It must be divine. I I didn't even know what you did. (laughs) Peggy's course. And I hear your stories, and, and, you know, the Lord's taking you different directions. And, you know, who's marked out this course? Ultimately. God, right? So we're on the course that God's marked out for us. There is a perfect course, but obviously we're not perfect and we're going to deviate, but he's putting roadblocks, road signs to steer us back. You know, that's the way we walk through life. Um, But it's his course. So he's marked out the race. The race is to get to know him and become like him. How should we run this race? 
How do we run this race? Perseverance. Perseverance. John, why do... As one with a little bit more experience than many of us, why do you say perseverance? Well, uh, you set your eye on your tomorrows. You're, you're, you're meeting with the Lord. You're trying to prepare this earthly person mm-hmm. to be one of the, one of the saints. Right. Anyway. And that requires perseverance, correct? Um, what uh, is? Yeah, I am older than rest yeah. of you guys. So you've, you've been, <laughs> you've been through more. You've been through more, and you know that life is this race is going to require what he says: run with perseverance. And um, what is the idea of a race? Any of you ran a race or trained for a race? What is the idea of a race? Bring. We got Carl who does these crazy races. So maybe his idea of a race is different than the race to the refrigerator. But um, <laughs> what is the idea? You think of a race. What is it? Get the, get done. Just get it finished. To get through it. Get through it. Okay. If I got a race, I want to get through it. Right. What else? It's a competition. It's a competition. Interesting. Does the Lord want us in competition with? Because I'm supposed to run in such a way as to get the prize. Mm-hmm. Only one runner gets the prize. This is a wonderful race where we all can get the prize. So I'm not necessarily competing against anybody around me. But it's things around me. The things and myself. Pushing myself. Okay, Miranda, question. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you could look at it like we are competing because we have to help win the people over before the other mm-hmm. side does. It's kind of like a sure. secret. Right. There's a competition, <laughs> right? And um, we're on this race, though, but sometimes we compare ourselves with others. Oh, man, I'll never be like that. And then it's, nope, that's of the devil. It's not about anybody else. It's about me and my walk with Christ and my race. Everybody's race is different. We're all gifted differently. So, you know, avoid the temptation on this race to start comparing yourself with somebody else. Holly. I was going to say, I used to run cross country. Mm -hmm. And as much as it was an individual sport, it's also very much a team sport where even in the practices, you are training not necessarily against each other, but you're, you're, you're training with each other in a way that's, that's you know, the front runners are, are pushing the back runners, and the back runners are wanting to be up with the front runners. Mm-hmm. And when you're actually in the race, the more successful um, teams were the ones that were encouraging each other and helping each other, you know, up the hills. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was very easy to, you know, for one particular team to have, like the fastest runner that wins every race, but if everybody else is way in the back, the team itself doesn't win. Mm-hmm. And so you had to learn to to really help each other and spur mm-hmm. each other on. Like the race is yours. It's up to you whether mm-hmm. or not you're going to persevere through that race. But there's also that um, that 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 team um, right. spurring each other right. on. Exactly. And that's very much the, the Christian life. Right. And that's how he starts off. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it's 
So, right, we're on this race, but others have run it ahead of us, and we can learn from them, and others are running it with us, and we can be encouraged by them. So we're not isolated. Even though it's our race, you're right, we're not isolated. We've got others around us to help us, and we, the body, here in the light, heritage, the, the greater body, we have to be encouraging one another. Absolutely. And um, But it's God's race, and we all can win. Um, we're competing with ourselves and no one else. So remember that. Um, and a race also, does a race sound like it's hard? Like it's effort? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can be. Oh, yeah. All right. The other thing, too, is you don't just drop in on a race without training for it. Mm-hmm. So this whole, you know, verses mm-hmm. 7 all the way down to 13 talks about discipline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say, oh, there's no way I could ever run a half marathon. I could ever, and the reality is you can. You just have to train for six months or five months or whatever to, to get to that right. point. But the great thing about a race or a physical race is that with discipline and training, your body gets to the point where it can run that race, right? So the same thing is true in spiritual life. That's right. It's hard, but you won't be able to run a race efficiently or to the best of your ability without some hard training. And the training is hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Hard. I put down hard work. To me, yeah. it, it reminds me of a race. Oh my gosh, I got to work hard. It is. Um, maybe some pain. Yep. Pain along the way. Lots it's going to hurt. Um, finishing, as Mark said. What about failure? Are they afraid of not making it? Failing? Every night in my prayers, I, I ask the Lord to put my feet on the path that He sets before me for the next day. Mm-hmm. And to correct my steps when I stray. Mm-hmm. That discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, having the Lord with me. Right. The Lord is running this with us. Amen. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're on this race. It's going to require hard work, effort. We're going to be exhausted. There's going to be pain. All the training we said. Um, there will be some failures. Uh, it, it will happen. And it requires endurance. And I think that's why he's going through this. And he's, what does he say? He says, um, uh, Consider him, so Christ is our example, endured such opposition from sinful men so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Because when we're on this race, the race is seeking God, and we're going to run into these trials, and there's going to be a tendency for us to grow weary and lose heart. Okay, so this is the next thing that can throw us off. Why we don't seek God is we become weary and we lose heart. Why could we lose heart along this race? Tell me from your personal examples. Have you ever, or maybe you are, going through a trial (coughs) and you want to say, as he was saying, it's much I can't do this I'm not gonna run this race forget it you what? feel like your prayers aren't being answered or maybe not answered in the way you want them to or as fast as you want them to be okay very good so we're not seeing results we're praying we're seeking God we're not seeing results so it's like shh, forget it what else when you focus on the waves you start to sink and you're not paying attention to the race that's right. You, you know how long the race is when you sign up. Mm-hmm. And you know that it's going to stretch you. You know it's going to it's going to tax you. But that satisfaction of being able to complete it and look to that is nice. But when you see the, the waves come and keep focus on them, you, you're going to crash. Right. 
Exactly. So where is our focus? If our focus is on something other than what it should be, we'll start looking at the difficulties, how difficult this is. I can't do this. Um, I put down here, it makes no difference what I do. God's going to do what he wants to do. Forget it. Blaze my own trail. Um, failure, sin. You lose heart, man. I've blown it a hundred times. God doesn't want to listen to me anymore. And we know that's not true. That's of, of the devil. But these are reasons why um, we can lose heart. But I said, you know, remember, um, what is our purpose? So if we're focusing on the results that, you know, somebody needs to change or... I need to get this or have this. You know, our, our, we're going, we're seeking all the time for something, and that something isn't happening. Remember, we talked about that, right? So, what if we have, you know, I have a sister who has chronic pain, and she sought the Lord for years, and nothing's changed. There's no results. But what should we ultimately be seeking God for? What's the race we're on? Relationship with Him. Right. So we may not see the external change. We may not be delivered from the situation. But what is He doing to our heart? What is He doing to this relationship? Is it the will of God to suffer? What's God after? Our ease, comfort, and pleasure? Is that God's goal so we can live with ease, comfort, and pleasure? Or is he after our heart and this relationship? So our relationship with Jesus may be changing in the midst of this pain, even though the circumstances aren't changing. So I said, remember what the race is all about. What is the prize, the reward? It's knowing him and becoming like him. It's not necessarily deliverance from whatever the situation or getting whatever we want. It's about knowing him and becoming like him. Um... So I say, yeah, not necessarily getting something from this world or relief from suffering. That may be part of it, but it's not the goal. All right? It's all about Him and letting um, our lives, the trials. And I also say, sometimes we're not going through trials, but it's just the everyday ho-hum mundane of life. But we have to let even that shape us so that we reflect God and His glory. All right, so remember, we may lose heart if our focus isn't right. So that leads us to what the Scripture teaches us, how we can avoid losing heart and giving up. So I say, how can we preserve, not lose heart and give up? What's number one from the Scriptures? What do we need to do? It's right there. Number one from the Scriptures. What does he say in verse two? Fix. Fix. Our eyes, where? On him. Right. So if we're tempted to give up, where's our focus? <coughs> Brian, the, the pain, the problems, the heartache, or is it? Jesus. Okay, he says it there. Fix our eyes on Jesus. What does it mean? Set your focus on Jesus. What does that mean? Tell me practically. If I'm going to set my eyes or fix my eyes on Jesus, what what do I need to... To actually officer's revival. Mm -hmm. And they tore me up one side down the other side. 
And at one point in time, I was like, I'm done. I'm out. And then... The Christian life. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out, man. This the peace that came over me, and I could hear the Lord in my mind say, I put you in here. You're going to stick it. And it calmed me down in the middle of not being able to breathe, getting my butt literally whooped. Mm-hmm. To be able to focus on Him, calm yourself down, and finish what He set before you, and, and set finish the race that he had at that moment. Okay, so you set your mind, it sounds like. You focused your mind, your thoughts, on him. I I just going to say it has to start with daily surrender and spending time in his word and in prayer. You know, a lot of people think that that's that's Christianese, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, just spend more time, spend more time in the Word, spend more time in prayer, but it really is, that really is where it has to start. That's how God uses, the Holy Spirit uses God's Word to speak to us. Right, so you're setting your mind, we're going to get to, you guys are getting our next thing, but it's really, it's, it's, the Word will help us refocus, but we're in the, when we're in the heat of the battle, this is where, if we've been in the Word, and we've got people praying for us, and you're praying, like you said, it's the peace, the Spirit of God can come over you in these situations. You're like, I know this isn't from me because my flesh wants to give up and quit. But there's some, there's, it is, it's supernatural. It comes up within you and enables you to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. So that's your thoughts, your attention, and, and even your affections, your desires. I want Jesus to be glorified in this more than I want the relief of my pains. Isn't that what Christ did? He wanted his Father to be glorified. So that's setting our focus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is critical. Um, yeah. In, in Psalm 77, the psalmist in the whole beginning of it is like crying out to God, and he's like, will you reject me? Will I ever feel your love again? Will I ever see your passion? Like he was weary and worn out and mm-hmm. thinking God had abandoned him. But then at the end, he says... Um, to this will I appeal. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember what you did. I will meditate on your works. I will consider your deeds. You are holy. You are great. You perform miracles. You display your power. Your mind. So he totally, um, he totally focused his mind instead on who he knew God to be. So that's fixing our eyes on Jesus too. All right. Setting your attention, your focus on the Word, on Jesus, who He is, not self, and not the situation very critical. If you go home and you hem and haw and brew over the situation you're in day after day after day, it's not going to change. If you're hemming and hawing over yourself, it's not going to change. Our focus has to be on the Word of Jesus, Liz. I was just going to say that like, when you set your mind on Jesus, something I've, you know, I've lived with chronic pain for the last two and a half years and when I let myself look at the big picture and say Lord is this what you have for the rest of my life I want to quit and I can't do that I have to focus on the moment that he's put me in right now and usually that means crying out to him when I'm exhausted and I'm hurting and I still have kids that need baths and the house is a disaster and my husband can't walk and you know whatever it might be and just Jesus right now give me the strength for this moment and usually that quoting scripture to myself and having to retrain my attitude in my mind focus on him through prayer and through the scripture and if I don't have those scriptures memorized I can't do that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so and this is you're hearing I mean, I'm hearing you you're hearing from people who 
I mean, this is real life stuff. This is what we're going through. It's not a smile and, oh, everything's roses um, in the life around us. Uh, that's, and again, is it the will of God for us to suffer? Uh, so, we're setting our attention, our focus, not on the problem, not on the situation, on Him. And what Gina's alluding to is that when we set it on Him, we know He's good. We know He's sovereign. We know He's in control. And we know He's using this as a tool to what? Help us run the race, complete the race, to become like Him, to know Him. So He's using this. He's revealing Himself to us in no other way He could unless you were suffering. Unless you were suffering, He could not reveal Himself in such a way. So we begin to see, it's, when we do this, we begin to see these as opportunities. All right, these are opportunities we have. Instead of looking for easy way out, Satan's going to come by and say, oh, here's an easy way out from your problem, your pain, your suffering. Your flesh wants to jump on it and take it. But the Holy Spirit's saying, no, I'm training you. You need to endure this. Let it finish its work in you. So be careful for jumping on easy way outs. That's not usually, typically, how the Lord works. Uh, all right. I said, what did I say? It makes us realize what has happened to us is a tool. It is also an opportunity to learn who God is. It gives us hope when all is dark. Sort of what Liz was saying. It, it's something comes over us. When all is dark and nothing we can see or know what to do, the world can't help us. There's peace knowing that he loves us and he's in control. And that leads to the flip side. What happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus? We fall. We fold, despair, depression, no hope. Our eyes have left Jesus and onto the situation. We're burdened, we're worried, we're anxious. We talked a little bit about that, the weights of life. Um, there's darkness, we can't see our way clear. So number one, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus so we don't give up and don't lose heart. Again, you know, I love this class, and I love that you're open and you share, and I mean, I really feel like this is real life that we're talking about. In other words, it's the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, pouring out into our hearts saying, I'm going to get you through this, I'm going to help you live this way, you're going to come out victorious. You know, I hope it's not just a message or a sermon, I hope it's the power of God leaping off the pages to our hearts to enable us to get through life the way he wants it to run his race. And like Paul, say, hey, we finished the race. I've won. I've won. Um, all right, so number two is this. You guys alluded to it. I think Holly did. He says this. And have, this is in verse five, and have you forgotten that word, that word of encouragement? So the word. We need to be in the Word of God. Why is it so important? You guys touched on it. What's so important about being in the Word? Holly was saying, why do we need to be in the Word? We're going to not lose heart, not grow weary. Draw from an empty well. <clears throat> right. And the Word fills us with the Holy Spirit. 
what just a- because we're we're humans so we forget like what Gina was the song Gina was reading remember and I, you know I think I shared before I'm I'm actually thankful for an acute bout that I of anxiety that I had um, after Shane and I had our first child and you know I I did not like Liz was saying memorize I I always had the scripture but like sometimes I'd have to go to sleep literally just fall asleep quoting scripture in my mind that was the only way that I could go to sleep and and during the day would just have to quote scripture for for eight months I had an acute bout of anxiety Mm -hmm. and um, it was God's word that gave peace to my heart there's absolute power in the word of God and it may be for the moment in time that you need it. You need it several moments in a row. Um, and over time, it's, it's amazing what God can do to give us peace. Um, and the world, and there are times as a physician, there are times when people need medical treatment, and that's totally appropriate. But many times, you know, they need the Word of God. Um, so, very good. What else does the Word do? Well, it also sustains, kind of like what Lori's just talking about, like if you continue with that race analogy, mm-hmm. especially distance races, like you, you bonk out really quick if you don't keep intake, if you don't keep calories coming in, if you don't keep food coming in. So the racers who can run 50 miles, 100 miles, they are always taking in nutrition. And they're careful about that. Like it's, and it's a discipline. You don't feel like you're at mile 10 you don't feel like you need to eat anything but if you don't eat at that point if you're running a 50 mile race you will absolutely crash and so it's it's and what's crazy about it is and the same thing for people who climb mount everest like they have to discipline themselves to eat even though they're feeling like they're going to throw up so the same thing is true in the christian life is that those times when we're feeling like the least we don't feel like we have to eat or we feel we have to take in the word that's the time when you need it for those because if you don't then you'll absolutely crash you'll crash yeah so right it's the energy it's the fuel for running that race absolutely if we don't have it we will fail um what else yes i think the word reminds us of who we are in christ right like i think about i know this is a stupid analogy but you know how duke was losing in north carolina in that first game of the (laughs) the tournament and you can imagine that he they went into halftime and they were like you're Duke basketball. Oh, Get out there. You mean North Dakota State. I mean, North Dakota State. Yeah. North Dakota. Come on, she's picking on my homeland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can imagine that. They were like, come on, you're in Duke basketball. Play like who you really are. And I can, when I thought about that, I thought about God and his word saying, you're a holy people. You're, you know, a chosen. You're a child of God. Right. It's like, he's like, it's almost right. like a cheerleader saying, now go run the race like who you who really are. are. Right. It reminds us of who we are, the power that is within us. Um, absolutely. What else? Just like our speaker last week that went that on the table or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real easy for the enemy or for groups to, you know, try to create Christians as haters and this and that. Mm-hmm. But using the Word of God, it, it's very black and white. Whereas all these right. churches and other denominations are just kind of on the fence and they're letting the media and different people influence them. Going back to the Word of God makes it very clear. Right. It'll give us clear direction. If we're in on this race, hey, I don't know which way to go. The Word of God is going to give us clear direction. Um, Bring comfort. Comfort and encouragement, mm-hmm. exactly. Not only looking to who we are in Christ, but also it's a historical record of God speaking to his people in the Old Testament and how they dealt with different situations. 
situations and you're never alone. So there's always somebody in the scripture that has struggled right. and how the Lord has helped them. And so it's comforting. Very comforting, very encouraging. Again, that's what he goes through in the, at the end of 11. He's going through all of these stories saying, hey, look what these guys did, what these guys did, and what God brought, finally brought about. So it is encouraging. If life is the race, the word is the map that we have to keep looking at. That's right. The word will guide and direct us on this race. Um, what else? It was good enough for Jesus when he was tempted by Satan. I say it's good enough for us. Right. That's right, and I had, we can see how Jesus handled suffering. It reminds us of what he went through, and it gives us a purpose for the suffering, right? And we need to imitate him through this suffering. Um, again, this is, this is the primary way we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, is the Word. But the Word does these things to enable us not to grow weary or lose heart. So we, you know, I have verses in here we're probably not going to be able to get to, but how Jesus in First Peter 2, how he handled the suffering. And it gives us an example, an encouragement. Um, it shows us that the Word shows us what the Lord is really doing, what he's producing in us, because um, we see it, what he's done in, in the others who have gone before us. Very good. Um, well, it shows, as I said, it shows that the result of his suffering, Jesus' suffering, were good for all of eternity. The same spirit that lives in Jesus, this is how it tells us, is in us, right? So is there anything too difficult? He's been through the worst of it. Right. And he was victorious. Because he wasn't living for this life. He was living for the life to come. He knew the joy set before him, right? who for the joy set before him endured. There is great blessing, not only in this life, but in life to come when we endure suffering. And Peter, you know, if you read First and Second Peter, that will clearly let us know that these trials are not just randomly happening. They are happening for a reason. I think one of the aspects of, of God's Word is that um, He wrote it from, from, from Him to us. It's not from me to you, it's true truth. And I say that kind of like in our, you know, I might say something you might want to take it as truth or try to take it as fact, and it's fact until we can prove it otherwise. God's word endures forever, and we know that where it comes from is truth. So it's something that we can always rely on, irregardless of our feelings, of our circumstances, of our resources. And I think that's probably one of the things that just doesn't matter who's who's reading it it is god's word and it is enduring forever there is there's there's no change in it we don't have to worry about it this is the same god's word that was in the beginning mm -hmm. and it will be there until the end and if we, if we can't take comfort in you know the direction all these other things a little bit more anecdotal but if we can't just really rely on that of, of god's word then then we really are lost and, mm -hmm. and it kind of goes back to the thing you were talking about before where it's like it, it, it's supernatural you can read the words on the page but but it is supernaturally illuminating our lives giving us mm -hmm. this direction um, and it's not something we can just like study and get a PhD in right. it is something that, that the Holy Spirit himself actually gives us insight that, that's just beyond all mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's just one of the really important things to understand about God's word. Yeah, absolutely. Miranda. Um, this is probably saying too much, and we'll, we might have to follow up later, but when Robert and I were having deep suffering almost nine years ago, mm-hmm. we were at a round table with about 20 to 25 people. I don't know, I'm not good with numbers. Mm-hmm. But I identified with Christ the most mm-hmm. when he said, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because this is, it sounds crazy, but they all thought that I was a murderer. <laughs> and um, wow, I was just sitting there, yeah. and it was, it was the first time that I wasn't like with my fences up. Mm-hmm. I was actually like, I really feel sorry mm-hmm. for these people. They just, they don't mm-hmm. get it, you know? And um, so. that, that's supernatural when you're yeah. being attacked and accused yeah. to have compassion and love. Um, the Word of God is going to anchor us when the storms of life are in. You think of it that way. Because we want to be blown and tossed off course. But if we stick to the truth that John is saying, we will, let, we will not be blown off course. And, and when we're reading the Word and getting the Word, we're building our foundation on the rock. Right? And what's the story? The winds came. One built his house on the sand. And we know the story. We know it from, but when we're in the Word of God, we're building our foundation so when these storms and trials hit, we're not crumbling. We're anchoring ourselves to the only thing that is true and that will always be true, the Word of God. Not somebody's preference, not the latest thing. We're anchoring ourselves to the Word. All right, so number two was stay in the Word. Fix your eyes on Jesus or set your eyes on Jesus. Stay in the Word. Number three is, and it always comes down to this, and uh, somebody said it in the beginning, Submit, because our own will wants to rise up, and we want to say, no more, I've had it, or I want it my way. But we have to submit. What does he say as he moves down and explains, you know, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, these trials that we can be having going through, maybe the Lord's discipline. Um, Endure it as discipline. God's treating you as a son, and he loves you. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. How much more should we? Sh- how much more should we submit? We submit to our earthly fathers. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirit and live? We don't want to lose heart. We don't want to give up. There's going to need to be submission. Submission. What does it mean to submit your spirit, as the NIV says, to God? Again, I don't want to lose heart. I don't want to give up. Lord, tell me how. Here's the scriptures. Keep your eyes focused on me. Get in the word of God. Read it. Believe it. Ah, now comes the hard part. Lord. Just when 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 it affects your actions. So when you act differently because of um, the word that you know. Like I can relate to what Miranda said. Um, You know, my oldest child is not Shane's, so I was a single mom for about 10 years, and um, after we got married, it was difficult to blend that family, and we had Nathan's dad involved, and we were having a meeting one time, just the three of us, we had put the kids to bed, and um, his dad said something very cutting to me, and very hurtful to me regarding like all that he's done Nathan's whole life, which was kind of funny because it hadn't been a whole lot, and so in that moment, I was kind of like... 
I could have like rose up, you know, and came under the table, like grabbed my my leg, but you kicked me or something. <laughs> but in that moment, um, you know, I knew God's peace came over me, and I nodded my head and I smiled and I didn't respond with everything I could have said regarding child support or, or whatever. And um, and the next day he called me and thanked me for listening to him and said, Nathan was probably about 12 or 13 at that time, so he said, you know, in 13 years, I feel like that's the first time you ever listened to me. And he actually apologized for what he said. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that when we do submit to God's word, other people see God through us. Right. And I think that that's what happened. Right. So submission, if we want to know, yes, it will change our behavior because the flesh wants to act one way and get what we want on our time, the way we want it, etc. That's the flesh. So what does he tell us? And, and I'm just going to read some scriptures, and you all know these, but this is submission. There is Romans 12, 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, <clears throat> to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. An ongoing, I'm alive, I'm not, you're not killing me and laying me down, but it's an ongoing submission an ongoing sacrifice of myself to God's purposes in my life. Okay, a living sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God when we do that. And Lori saw the results immediately. We might not see the results immediately, but this is holy and pleasing. We're, we're laying our wants, our desires aside. What about, you guys know what Matthew 16 says. Matthew 16. This is hard. Matthew 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Alright, for whoever wants to save his life. When we're going through these trials, we want to save our life. God, let me have it my way. I need this. I need to save my life. And what does he say? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. For whoever submits and sacrifices and gives up his life, what happens? He will find it. Whatever loses his life for me. And that's why we're doing it. Doing it to bring Christ glory and honor. Then we'll get life. This is what it means to submit. Alright? Deny yourself and lose your life. This is required. And this is required because what happens when we submit? When I lay down my own efforts, my own desires, my own power, what takes over? Lori described it to a T. Miranda described it. What happens? It unleashes the power of the Holy Spirit. The very workings of God. The supernatural. When we step aside, we lay down our rights, out comes the pouring of the Holy Spirit. It's incredible. But it requires us to submit. Joseph, can I, can I add a little bit? Yeah. Just part two that. I think one of the problems that we're really something with, particularly in America, is so much to read, so much available, you know, when it comes out, uh, like pop culture, you know, psychology, self-help, and things like this, that if you do this, this is what's going to happen, mm -hmm. you know, if you fold your shirts this way, they all, your life will come into order, right, right. you know, right. and you guys, you know, you guys kind of all get the, get the point, right. I think one, one of the points is that, that God's time, I, I was going to say God's timetable is not our timetable. 
and his requirement for us to obey is not a, okay, now you get what you want. Mm -hmm. Because that turns God into, you know, I've heard this, you know, it turns God into a vending machine. Right, like right, right. His, his requirement for us to obey is not based on just what we're going to get, it's based on who he is. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I say this, like, still 10 years going through, you know, I'm, I'm still, there's still the ripple effects of divorce in my mm -hmm. life. You know, uh, you know, it was a point in time, it was like, lost my spouse, lost my friends, lost my kids, mm -hmm. lost my house, lost my job. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it was just like, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm kind of like, okay, Lord, what else? Mm -hmm. Like, what else do we, do I have to give you? And, you know, I, I mean, I go to church and I do these things, you know, and I, you know, all, all these things. And it wasn't just like, I think, so, so to the point, really, it's not just, I do this thing and then God immediately rewards you. Right. I did this. I read my Bible. So why isn't my my day great today? Yes. You know, mm -hmm. right. uh, it, it really it's it's a race. Mm -hmm. It's endurance. It's a it's it's going through. So the submitting is not an immediate self gratification effort. It really is just knowing fully that okay, God, I, I really have to follow you no matter what. Right. And, and I think like Job sitting there destitute, everything mm -hmm. had been taken mm -hmm. from him. Mm -hmm. But he refused to give up his his okay. belief okay. and right. his faith in the Lord. Right, because he knew God was he good. He knew it, mm -hmm. it's going to come back. All right. Um, I said when we yield all of ourselves to him, he takes over. He does the purifying work in us. So even though everything in the world was being taken away, inwardly the Lord was working in you to, to purify your heart so that you may share in his holiness. And it goes on to say that. And the pain produces a harvest of righteousness and peace is what we'll talk about next time. I said this can be very difficult as we see the struggle Jesus went through in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, do you remember the, the struggle he went through in the Garden of Gethsemane? I mean, right. He was, he was in the process of submitting his will. I mean, God himself had to go through this process because um, he was clothed in human flesh, right? What did it say here? Uh, I'm finding it here. I missed it. To the end of Matthew, um, uh, where he prays three times in the Garden of Gethsemane for the Lord to take this cup from him. Uh, yeah, I mean, and to your point, like, and the result is he died. Uh, you know, right. in, in our in our world perspective, yeah. that's like the ultimate not answer. Right. right, in the world's eyes. In the world's eyes, right. and that's kind of my point. It's like, well, I prayed about this. Why didn't God give me a brand right. new car? Right, so that's why we have to be careful. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus, and it's about him, not the situation or the problem or relief from the suffering. It's God, I'm submitted to you. You do whatever you need to me, so I come out like you. That's the bottom line. Um I said, we like our Savior. I'll end with this, and then we'll get back. To, I'll finish this next time, but because there's one more point. Um, we, like our Savior, are called to die. Jesus was called to die. We are called to die, and I said to die to the things of this world, and to die to our flesh. And then, we receive the Father's blessings, which are incredible. We die to ourself, die to this world. These trials are doing that can't lose heart, can't give up, we can't hold on to our, our life, but when we die, when we let go, when we submit, 
to the things of the world and our flesh, then we receive the Father's blessings. Then we receive the holiness. Then we, He opens up this window and we see Him. And there's nothing greater than knowing God. And as He opens up His blessings and we see Him and we know Him, He's producing, He's sanctifying our hearts. And we become like Him. Holy. And that's the race we're on. That's the course He set out for us. So don't resist it. We want to resist these painful trials. We don't want to surrender. But when we submit, the power of the Holy Spirit will take over and it will keep pulling us back. It'll keep pulling us back. And we'll, we'll thank God for the trials in the end. And I want to go through them again, but we'll thank Him. Um, all right, I'll close us in prayer and we'll get you to service. Father, how grateful we are that you know exactly what we need. That you never make a mistake. Although it seems so hard and difficult and painful, God, we know that that's what it takes. That's what it takes, Lord, for you to purify our souls. We ask that you would do it. Do whatever you need to make us like you, Lord. We know you're good. We know that you are faithful to your word. We know that one day we will stand with you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your death and resurrection. May that full power be in us to bring you glory. May we never give up or lose heart. In your name we pray. Amen.